Welcome to another episode of Vertello on Air. I'm Mike Stockton, coming to you from Frankfurt on Main, Germany. And I'm Balash Renzi, coming to you from Karlsruhe, Germany. Well, Balash, it's been a couple weeks, and maybe you could call this our summer break to some degree, but <laughs> welcome back. Yeah, thanks. Indeed, welcome back, and welcome back everybody who's listening. Um, we took, what, uh, two weeks off? Maybe yeah, three? Uh, two I can't weeks. remember. Two, two weeks, weeks, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Two, three? Um, yeah, you might be right. Could be three. Yeah, because the last one was recorded when I was still in Hungary, and boy, I've been... No, not not true. The last, the last one was when I was in Chemnitz. Ah, yes. So we, we yeah, we missed out two, 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 two weeks. Yeah, two yeah. episodes, indeed. Well, short summer break. Yeah. So you're, you've been all around the world. I've kind of been around the world in the other direction. Right. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about, about those trips, but you arrived back from Japan when? Wednesday evening. Okay. And this I got is in, Sunday now. Yeah. And I got in this morning from yeah. Miami. So yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I, I took a good nap today, which I normally <laughs> don't do. But how are you? Are you back to normal? I have to say... Um, I'm either lucky or I just found the perfect formula, but I never have jet lag since I kind of worked out a way how to deal with it there and then back home. Um, I'm not saying that I don't feel it. I definitely feel it. I get up probably 5.30 or I wake up 5.36 in the morning mm-hmm. and I'm going to sleep around 9 and 10, but that's it. Um, but even there, I always uh, uh, try to uh, and this is my trick. The first day when you arrive, just stay awake as long as you can. Um, we arrived to the hotel something like 6, 7 p.m. And we went out for a walk and I walked until like 9, 10. So like you basically just, you know, falling into bed and poof. And then you're dead. But then the tricky thing is the second day. Oh, always the second day. That's always the worst, right? So I do the same thing. I get up early and take out early. 8, 7, 8, whatever, take a shower, go down, have breakfast, as much as I want to skip it. No, go down, have breakfast, do your stuff, do your work, whatever. Go out in the evening, again, work or eat or drink, be with the colleagues until 10, 11, and then go to sleep. And then when you want to go to sleep, a lot of people are like, I wanted to go to sleep, but then I started to brush my teeth, and then, and then you wake up. No, go to your room, change brush your teeth, take out your contact lenses, whatever you need to do, get ready. And when you feel that you're tired, immediately shut the lights and go to sleep. That's For me, it worked every time. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I mean, uh, I, I'm generally not too bad, but like you, sometimes it's like second or third night that, that it really hits me. But this trip, for whatever reason, you know, it was like a 4.45 p.m. takeoff from Miami, and you're just not ready to go to sleep yet. So, mm. you mm-hmm. know, it was good three, three, four hours in, so so basically halfway through the trip that I yeah. slept. And then, of course, I woke up, and we're 35, 40 minutes from landing, and it's, you know, you feel like you're in the middle of, <laughs> yeah, some, some altered reality. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> but... 
yeah, it, it's, um, you know, I, I, I try to exercise a lot, drink a ton of water and, mm-hmm. uh, I've also done it where I drink a ton of beer and <laughs> I'm not sure it really matters for me, but, um, yeah. Do you wear compression socks? <laughs> I do not. I, I do. do not. Do I you do. Really? I do. I do. And what I does like that an do idiot. for you? Um, I realized that it's, uh, well, I, I had, I had in the family, I had these issues of blood clots and things like mm. that. So I wanted to be, you know, make sure. And then I took the AstraZeneca um, uh, shots uh, for COVID, right? And they said to be Even more maybe careful. dangerous. Yeah. So I said, better to be safe than sorry. So I, I did it. I think like now this was my fourth or fifth longer, like, like intercontinental trip where I took it. Uh, where I used it. And this time, you know, because it's like 1,000 degrees outside, I'm in shorts. So I'm, I'm sitting on the plane in shorts and wearing these like knee-high compression socks, which I usually use for running, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I have to say the first two hours, because it's a 13 and a half, and on the way back it was a 15 hours, 40 minutes flight. So it's pretty long. Um, the first two hours I wanted to take them off, but now that then it was fine. And then when I took them off and we landed, I just felt like fresh as ever. So I, you know, it's not a bad idea. I think, um, sort of in line with that, what I now do, you know, day of a flight or on the flight itself is, you know, I'll have a glass of wine or something, but I don't go crazy on the flight. And I also, try to pick food if I get a choice on the flight that's not too salty. I find that Mm -hmm. that sort of blows me up as well. And I I do find just kind of referring back to owning a Peloton or or cycling. And I cycled every single day in Florida that if I'm doing that, um, I manage salt and all that stuff a whole lot better. So I, I don't have problems on a flight if I'm, kind of going into it in good shape, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the reason for the compression socks, right? To keep the blood flowing. And they say, drink a lot of water, stand up every two, three hours. I mean, if you drink a lot of water, eventually you have to go to the toilet anyway. So you'll you'll stand up. Um, Maybe use the compression socks, maybe not, but make sure that you have a great circulation and blood flow, not only on the plane, but before and after. And then that's the thing, right? When you're in in Miami or in Florida, you know, eventually I'll come back. So yeah. you cannot be a couch potato and, and, you know, just lounge all day. I mean, you could, but eventually <laughs> you need to start moving again. And then the, the, the more, the more active or fit you are, as you said, that the faster your, your, uh, or the, the, the normal, the, the more normal your blood um, flow is, the better for you on the plane, I guess. Yeah. yeah but, um, it's yeah for long, fl- I mean, what is this Miami? What was it when I went to- it's like nine hours yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sort of depends on the. Yeah. Uh, it's the, still the a lot. Yeah, it's a decent flight. Yeah, 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 still a lot. Yeah, so we've got a number of topics today. We'll we'll hit a little bit on travel because Balash was in one of my favorite places, Japan, mm. and then you know I'll talk a little bit about my U.S. trip and in relation to watches and <clears throat> and then. We'll um, we'll also hit upon some news on some some recent releases, and then also uh, talk about this uh, topic of theft, which seems to be in the paper mm. more and more. And sadly, uh, 
yeah. refer to a, an instance I had on the plane, just overhearing someone talking about it. And before we do that though, we will, uh, we'll stay with what we normally do and, and do a Hangalengs controller. So oh, yeah. why don't you go first, Balash? What's, what's on your wrist? Yeah. Um, so I got a, I think a last time or one of them, not the last time, but uh, maybe one of the last times I, I, um, we talked about my Angelus uh, um, alarm watch. And then I, I think early, and I showed you the sound and earlier than that, I think we talked about the volcano, the new volcanoes that will come out. And um, so I, I received them. I received the black one and I received the salmon one in, in the original, like a 35, six millimeter size. And I also received one in 39. And um, these are not supposed to be out yet. And they, you know, it's kind of under embargo, but but if you go on on Volcane's Instagram page, Volcane uh, underscore watches, that's V U L C A I N underscore watches, you'll find a bunch of them. So I'm, I guess I'm not not uh, um, hurting the embargo. Um, so I have the 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 beige or the salmon dial version, and um, I received this when I came back from Chemnitz, but before I left for Tokyo. So. I, I haven't had the chance to really look at it and, and wear it. And I mean, it, it probably, you know, wears and uh, maybe not wears, but looks the same as the smaller one, but mm-hmm. it wears much better. I think it, it's uh, the small one is really close to the original, which means it's kind of teeny tiny on my wrist. But this one is, um, I measured it before the show, right? It was 38.7, 30. Okay. Yeah, but it looks much bigger. Because um, the case is kind of thin, and the the, uh, the I mean the bezel, and the dial is bright, so it it, it kind of optically you know uh, enlarges the watch, I guess in a way. And despite the fact that it's a um, it's an alarm a movement, it's not too too thick. I mean, I can also hmm. just give me one second. Let me measure it. I can. What is inside? That's what I was going to ask. It's thirteen point two thickness. Okay. What? Um, as far as I know, it's uh, it's their own movement, but I could be wrong because I haven't received a press release but yet. This wouldn't be the movement prior to Volcane kind of going away for a while, is it? It's a different movement? I haven't. Ah, you asked the wrong guy. I'm okay. not sure. To be honest, I'm not sure because I received the watches, but I have not received the, the, um, the press release on the watch. Uh, because it's not out yet, I'm just trying to see um, if I if I have some information on the website. Because and it's manual wind. It's manual wind, and the, the funny thing is, right, that um, you have um, so that it says it, a movement is it is a mechanical hand wound alarm caliber, 25 joules, 165 components, double barrel, equipped with exactomatic system, lift angle 48 degree. Hmm. That's what it says. Um, and the 36 millimeter version is $3,600. This is the bigger version. Um, so the funny thing about this is you have, uh, I'm not sure if you've put a picture of my Angelus in the show notes, but in any case, if you guys Google it, you see that there are two crowns, right? One at two and then one at five. So one crown obviously winds the watch and sets the time and the other crown winds the alarm and sets the alarm hand. Well, in this case, you have, as you would have with most crickets, you have one crown and one pusher. So if you wound the, the crown uh, clockwise, 
it if I'm not mistaken, it, it winds the watch. And if you wind the watch, uh, the crown counterclockwise, that winds the alarm mechanism. Hmm. So you wind both with the same crown, only in different directions. Okay, that's kind of neat. Yeah, so you don't need two crowns. You can use just one crown, and one way is the watch. The other way is the alarm. So you can basically wind the watch without, uh, uh, you know, winding up the alarm as well. Yeah, I really wonder if that is the same as the the old movement. Um, it's just interesting. I, I still remember. I mean, you can remember visiting them at Basel, and yeah. I think the last review RJ did before they before their most recent demise, uh, the watch that he got in was like a dark gray dial. And it was a really attractive watch, but it was expensive. It was like over $5,000. And I think he pulled the crown right out, didn't he? Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. came, it just came yeah, loose. Yeah. I so. think he was also at a dinner that it kind of shot out of the case somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hope that Should their I return is far better, right? <laughs> Yeah, no, no, this is, no, uh, in, in all jokes aside, this is really a very, very nicely done watch. Um, very, very neat. Um, uh, the, 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 the whole feel, you know, the, I mean, they obviously copy the vintage design and whether you like that dial design or not, that's, that's a subjective question, right? I'm not the biggest fan of these kind of sector-ish dials and stuff like that, but all in all, the watch wears great. It feels good. Um, the movement work perfectly. Um, the alarm is loud. I mean, let me just, I haven't wound it, but I will try to wind it quickly and, and see if I can, I can, uh, this drive, is two shows crazy. in a row with an alarm going on. Yeah. That's and right. I think people loving it huh? and I have and the headphones on and the alarm goes off, but by uh, the way, while you're doing that, I made, uh, in our last episode, I, I remember I came back at you and told you, you weren't laughing at any of my jokes and, <laughs> Some somebody uh, wrote in on our article that accompanied the show that he's not. You're not laughing at me because you're German. Yeah. Well, <laughs> go back and listen to some of the the other shows, my friend. That's all I need to say. Uh, no, uh, the problem was, by the way, that uh, and then and then that gave me a bit of a headache. Is that when we were in Chemnitz, my internet was so bad in the hotel that uh, there was like a two three second delay. And um, I had to edit that out uh, in between our our sentences. So sometimes uh, we have the recording because how the system works, a little bit of a behind the scenes for you guys is that Mike's uh, voice or Mike's audio records on his computer and mine records on my computer. And then it kind of meshes together and puts it right. But there I could not hear you, but I knew that even if I don't hear you, I still have the the audio, and then that's when uh, that's when I I edited it together. So that was the uh, that was the issue. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> very far from being German. But uh, yeah, that's uh, probably one of our uh, our uh, diehard fans who listens to every show. Yeah, not. Uh, uh, where is it? For some reason, I can't make it because I can still remember the other one. It was pretty annoying. Yeah, that was the. That was the, the Angelus. Oh, yeah. Ooh. So, it's pretty loud. I don't want to. This has a, I, I think the Angelus was a, like a faster paced alarm, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And it's fully wound, actually. I just checked. So, it's not <laughs> like, oh, Jesus. It's not like, uh, 
Yeah. You know, I have a citizen alarm that I'm going to have to bring on the show next episode so we can just keep uh, doing alarms every single... <laughs> we're, we're soon going to run out of alarms. I have another Angelus, but it's the same movement, so it makes no sense putting that one on, but yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, I'll look forward to, to seeing your write-up on that yeah. and checking one of these out in person. Cool. Absolutely. What, what's on your wrist? So I'm still wearing what has been on my wrist for the last two weeks, and that is the new Breitling Super Ocean 42. And I can't remember, Balash, did we? Did I have this on my wrist? Um, I mm. thought I might have on the last episode we did. I can't recall, but wow. I got this in right before uh, I left for the U.S., and I wore it. I brought this and a citizen, you know, an eco drive for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sporting activities or sometimes the beach. But I, I wore this basically two weeks straight. And, um, funny enough, like before the flight, I took it off the bracelet, which I really like. And I put it on a dark gray, modern tropic, 22 millimeter tropic. And I never took it off of that because, I find sometimes like in that intense heat that a steel bracelet can get just, you know, you and I were talking about it. Like when you were in Hungary, just weight, you know, it's like, it just, it just becomes bothersome to have weight on and putting on a Tropic made the watch obviously lighter and just really good for going to the pool. And I find these Tropics are, you know, I could wear it certainly to decent restaurants in South Florida because it's very casual and, you know, go right, go right to the water with it. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm really enjoying the watch. I think that it's one of those things where of course the, the big complaint is that it has the chronometer rated Salita inside it versus something in house. Um, but the real benefit of that movement, and we've seen it on other watches that, that Breitling has put it into, is it remains really thin. I think it's like 12 point something millimeters thick. So, you know, what you're not getting in an in-house movement, you are getting a really nice form factor and it works really well on on the wrist. So I enjoyed that. I think the um, it is an interesting watch from a legibility perspective because it's got that big squared hand for the minutes. Um, so it takes a little getting used to. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And everything else I've enjoyed, I will say that my only nit to pick really is the bezel. I find it to be a little bit too easy to turn. I've looked down a few times and found it off center because I grazed it with, with either, you know, my other wrist reaching across for something or, or hit it into something. So that to me would be, you know, if you were going to use it for diving, that would be a little bit of a concern. Um, obviously it's going in the right direction. So you're not going to overestimate the amount of area you've got left, but it would, would be nice to be tighter. So I'll give that feedback to them, but I, I really like the watch. I think it's cool. And it, it it will play into a discussion we'll have later about safety and mm-hmm. no it 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 felt like a really high quality watch on and something that I was proud to wear the last couple of weeks and will be proud to wear in the future so just a nice good diver for the rotation. Well, it's not necessarily a cheap watch, is it? No, it's so, not. It's right. like yeah. forty five hundred dollars or something. Yeah. So it's more it's, like a watch that flies under the radar. Yeah, I mean, it, exactly, exactly. Um, 
And, you know, again, not to foreshadow too much, but I, I feel like putting it on a strap like this because the helped because the, the bracelet that Breitling uses certainly from a distance, although it's like at an angle has, has a bit of an oyster look and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's got polished center link. So it, it attracts a bit of attention in the light and putting on something on a, whether it's a NATO or a cloth strap or, or this tropic, it just completely flies below the radar. So, yeah, it's a bit sad that we had to come to this. But yeah, yeah. let's uh, let's talk about this in a minute. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's. Uh, I think the tropics are, are. I mean, it's not for every watch, but I think they're also comfortable. I I had the uh, the the time only Aqua Star. You know, I have have one for a for a few weeks. I had it on the tropic, and I took that to Japan, and it was extremely extremely humid and mm-hmm. hot in Tokyo, and um, I, I wore that for a few days and I gave it to a colleague of mine who also wore it for a few days and it was it was very very comfortable on the tropic on the new tropic so um I tend to uh wear watches on tropics now and not on uh, vintage and modern tropics I mean and watches as well not on bracelets because yeah. it's just insane. It, when it's hot it's just really really hot and then your your wrist is swollen and then with vintage bracelets, good luck sizing the the clasp. Yeah, yeah, and and to your point, you don't want to mess around with these things too much. They're they tend to be more fragile and not to mention, yeah, and valuable, frankly. So I'm uh, I'm with you. I'm <clears throat> I, I feel like I go back and forth, but I'm in a strap mode lately. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you. So um, let's let's shift into well. Are, are there any other news topics you wanted to bring up? There was one watch I wanted to bring up that I that we didn't mention before, but no, it's go for on it. the top of my mind. So our uh, our friend Rob uh, continues to post these um, glass hute original glass shut <laughs> glass <shutter, laughs> um, <laughs> hute original. Uh, 70s chronograph panorama date mm-hmm. uh vibing orange and disco blue models where mm-hmm. there are a hundred of each and i'm not a huge fan of this watch in in general i just don't like the the layout but um i i feel like uh I, I don't know. I, I don't like these these dials. I find them to be sort of trying too hard, if that makes sense. Mm. I'm not sure what, what you think, but, uh, you know, uh, in some of Rob's uh, posts, um, well, Worky, who comments a lot on our site, he, he, he was, I think, the first to sort of rain on Rob's parade, and then, then a number of us sort of... Uh, jumped in but it's just it it just feels like yeah just feels yeah. like trying too hard yeah i'm not too sure what i think about rob but <laughs> that's a, <laughs> that's a different topic no i think the um i think the original the 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 or one of the original colors this blue one was really a nice color this deep blue and the watch yes that's a different story i i think i mean i've seen worse i think it's not an ugly watch um it's Kind of reminds me of certain zeniths and, and stuff from, and I mean, even Omega did things like that back in the day, right? But they did not 
reissue those. But hey, whatever floats your boat. Um, it's not a not a bad looking watch, I I think the dial at least. Um, but the orange one and the blue one, I like. I mean, I have nothing against orange watches. You have Doxas with orange dial. I have Doxas orange dial. Um, blue dial is also fine. This is just not that tone of orange or blue that I would I would go with. And these watches are not cheap. No, no, they're what thirteen or fifteen thousand or something. And yes, I, so. I almost, it's its sort of a weird state of the world we're in, right? Where you can take a watch like that, that obviously just from seeing it in the past in more sedate colors, even though the dials were very attractive and they've done these like fume dials and things like yes. that. It's so weird now how we, we, you know, we take a watch like that and it's, it's almost like trying to be ironically cool to put it in such a whimsical color and just shows you that if there are a hundred people out there buying, you know, each of those or selling, selling those out and and paying that kind of money for those colors, then (laughs) there's a lot of money floating out there, isn't there? (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, we've already established that just by yeah, yeah. By I mean, that's the whole <laughs> other watches. I think, I think people, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter how ridiculous the watch is. Somebody will buy it because they think that's cool, and that will make them cool. And if enough people from the industry or from you know social media close to the watch circles will say it's cool, they'll buy it, even if it's the dumbest stuff ever. That's that's what I think about not only this watch. It's specifically not about this watch because i haven't seen anybody talking about this but other watches you know if you know the 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 usual suspects who i mean if those guys say it's cool it it will be cool and somebody will have the money doesn't matter if it's 10k 15 20 or 30k they'll buy it because xyz said it's awesome and then it has to be awesome and then it's kind of starts to, to live its own life and and eventually uh i guess it will become cool but to some people um I I I never understood this phenomena, but I guess it's the same maybe in the car world. You know, if the I don't know really, I have no idea about that that subculture. But maybe if the Top Gear guys say that a, a, a Toyota Yaris is awesome, then everybody can you know <laughs> start buying it, or you know what I mean. Like if if the, the I don't know. Yeah, if you have trendsetters who yeah. go out and and do it, kind of accompanied with that release, I, I'm with you. It just. I don't know. This one just struck me as really funny. Um, there's a there's a very uh, I'm not going to say the name, but there's a, a micro brand which let's just say takes inspiration from Patek Philippe when releasing four or five hundred euro watches, and everybody goes crazy because those usual suspects, those three four guys, the guys you see them you see them everywhere and all the time, and the loudest. Are these voices. the quartz? Are these the quartz ones? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So they say it's cool, so everybody has to buy them, and it's cool. And I'm not saying they're not cool, but they're just a blatant copy of a Patek Philippe. Hello. Can't, why can't we say the name? Well, it's the the Fulan Mari watches, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So okay. um, I have nothing against the brand. I think the watches look nice. If you want a, a nice, uh, classy, you know, looking vintage, looking modern watch, buy that. But is that so amazingly awesome and better than the others? No, it's not. No. It's just that certain What's people it? pick this 
and then those people are, as you said, the trendsetters, and all of a sudden, this is the most amazing watch. No, it's not. It's well, just one of many. We, we've we've gotten, you know, we've sort of come full circle with watches now, where it's like singing or artists or something. You see so many different performers who all have the same level of talent and or artists or whatever, and only a few get picked, right? And it's either connections or it's. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel the same now on watches because I'm with you. This Forlan Mari, I have no, I have no anger towards it. But no. I'm like you, I look at it and I think, really, like you know, the the people who are, in some cases, wearing these things are owners of really expensive watches. And it's not to say you can't have inexpensive watches, sure. but to me. I find when you pick up an inexpensive watch, it's usually something very different from what you own um, mm-hmm. versus buying a copy of something that you own. Uh, it, yeah. it, at least that's me. But yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. That one doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And there are tons of other watches out there using the Mecha Quartz and even lower cost mechanical movements that look like traditional chronographs. And for whatever reason, they're not just, they're just not getting the, uh, <laughs> the attention that this is. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it, it, as I said, it's, it's, it's nothing against, against those guys. It's just, I think that if you, if you think of these, these or this brand, there, there are a ton of other brands that, that don't have this, uh, or don't get this, this love. And, um, and I think that it's kind of sad that people are a bit, dare I say, uh, lazy and don't do their own research um, because there's a ton of stuff out there and yeah. more original stuff than than this one. That's yeah. what I'm saying. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyhow, not, not to pick on Glass Hute, I just <laughs> found those kind of ridiculous. And in the same vein as, as a watch we also never spoke about, and, and, and really I didn't read enough to, to speak in an educated manner on it. But the other thing that I find absolutely ridiculous and stupid is that AP that looks like a video game on the mm. surface. Yeah. It's like it's the sound, sound bars or something. Yeah. I looks, think. What a, what a silly thing. <laughs> I got I got some uh, some heat from people because I I, uh, I we talked about the the tapisserie there and I called it patisserie dial. <laughs> well, that one <laughs> probably is more of a patisserie dial. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really funny because I only speak three languages, so I'm so sorry that I butchered the pronunciation of the fourth one. I'm sure that uh, these uh, users are all um, you know polyglots, and uh, it was an educated mistake, as I always say. Yeah, uh, fi- uh, mis- uh, mixing up uh, T and P and P and T, and um, but uh, we yeah. do make them every so often, you know. Those yeah, exactly, exactly, and uh, and I love that people uh, people are very fast to jump on that, and uh, and they thought it was, it was funny, uh, not really, but anyways, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm wondering if. If the if the CEO of AP is, I think he's leaving next year, right? That was that yeah. was announced. I've, I'm wondering if the if the if he's gone, um, look, the brand will take another direction. Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't know. I I feel like when when we get this kind of silly stuff out there, this is at least in the past. I mean, and I'm looking at other hobbies. I always bring up baseball cards and things, but when. Mm-hmm. 
it feels like the the hype machine is at full throttle and you know there's this window where brands can put out just about anything and people will snap it up and that's usually right before the fall <laughs> and and when i say the fall i don't mean the season I, yeah. I mean, before there's there's a decline of some sort, and it feels like we're there when things are just silly. Um, and I don't know if it's the the human nature of people to just jump on while while they still can, and others have already left the market because they've seen it coming, or you know, it's it's just a or, or a feeling from some that they want, they want the good times to continue. Right. And mm. they're, they're just continuing to pump it. it. It feels very much to me. Like I remember, um, I think I've told this story, but I think it was like, Oh eight. Yeah. Uh, I was in Detroit. I had moved from El Paso and it started at a new company. And obviously we all know Oh eight, Oh nine was like a terrible economic period. Yes. Oh eight early on was, starting to look that way right and i got a call about a pvd limited edition luminor uh panerai and this Mm -hmm. was really at the i mean panerai was still big then um but the fact that i got the call and i remember it was like six thousand bucks or something or 6500 and i turned it down and turned it down because okay the watch was going to be too big for me i was also really kind of questioning what was going on in the world and it just felt like a big a big purchase at the time which it was it still would mm-hmm. be and it feels a little bit like that and i'm not suggesting we're going into 0809 but it it definitely it feels a little silly out there right now uh yeah it it does. I mean, you're seeing it on secondary values of hype yeah. watches and all sorts of stuff. So there, there's there's clearly a a shift going on, and perhaps one back to semi normalcy. Although I I think that we're we're probably in agreement here that watch companies we always say are making something that nobody really needs, and they've figured out how to. You know, they've figured out a market differently in the last yeah. several years. So I don't think that'll ever go away. And I think they will continue to constrain production and do things to keep the allure out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if we'll take a step back from some of the silliness right now uh, as as things recede a bit. I, I, it's funny because people talked about how the, the, the crypto bubble, mm. uh, you know, just kind of seems to burst or or already did i don't know i really don't follow that and uh, and others said no it didn't happen and then they talk about the nfts and that's going to be the next thing and i don't know really i know i know what an nft is uh, i i understand that the the process behind it i i talked with interviewed people behind nfts i have no idea um and then they said when the when the bubble bursts for um for crypto the next one will be the rolex bubble mm. Well, I, I have to tell you that I don't see the bubble bursting, and it's it's they always, you know. And sometimes I talk to people, and they're like, they explain this to me, and this is what's going to happen, and then this and that because when the market and yeah, yeah, it's cool. But why is a a, a damn uh, GMT still two to two and a half, three times the price on the gray market? Why can I still not get it in the shop? 
it, I don't think that the bubble burst it. So you know, so uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think it'll burst completely. I do think it will continue to normalize, but I, I still. The problem is a watch like that is still too cheap. It, it you know, a ten thousand or whatever it is, it's just not for for people who have money. It's just not big money for them to throw around to diversify whatever they're investing in. You know, it's not. Yeah, but it was never never that <clears throat> type of watch. Then get into Pateks or a Charmeur. <sighs> yeah, well, I, that's a whole other subject on how these became that way, um, yeah. because it it does feel like it happened pretty quickly. Yes, uh, in like three, four years, huh? Yeah. 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 So who knows? Um, But yeah, so so what else? Do you have any other news before we talk a little bit about travel? No, not really. We can can hit the road. Yeah. So so talk to me about Japan. I mean, you visited what is easily my favorite place in the world to, to go travel to. So I, I, I just want to hear your thoughts and yeah, try mm. to bring it into obviously there for watches. So talk yeah. a little bit about what you saw. Yeah. I was there for um, 10 days or so, nine days. I, I arrived uh, two weeks ago on Tuesday, as I said, and I left Wednesday. Uh, so I, yeah, 10 days with travel and I was in Tokyo. We stayed in Ginza um, simply nice. because that was the closest to the, to the office. And, but then during the week, we we kind of went everywhere, you know, Shibuya, Shinjuku, um, obviously Nakano Broadway, you and I talked about this. So um, um, Roppongi, Golden Gate, so everywhere, uh, uh, I guess, where where it was interesting and, and there was some, something to see. And, um, well, it was the first time in Japan. So um, and it was... I had no real expectations. Um, of course, I knew a lot about the country, like everybody does, especially you know for movies and TV and this and that. And, and um, it was, as I said, extremely, extremely hot and humid, which <laughs> was it was just sometimes really a, a, a <laughs> an obstacle. We we really had to work hard to to get through it. Um, so I came back to Germany. I was like, 30, 40 degrees is nothing. This humidity is like only I don't know forty percent or whatever, but it was great. Um, it's a it's an interesting country. It's a beautiful country. It's a weird country, in many ways. But I guess when they come over to Europe, they think or the US, they think the same of us. Um, there was a lot of things to love. Um, I'm not really the biggest fan of Japanese food. Oh, okay. It's because I'm a picky eater and I don't really eat fish and seafood and that kind of stuff. So that I knew that it's going to be an issue for me, but that's, that that's not their fault or problem. You know, it is, that's just me. Um, but other than that, it was, uh, it was great. We had uh, some locals some some colleagues who, who, you know, kind of chaperoned us and not every day. And, and uh, we visited um, uh, the, the, the sites, I guess, worth visiting. So I think I now have a pretty good picture of, of Tokyo, maybe obviously not Japan, but but the city itself. I met our our mutual friend, as you know, um, and he told us a bunch of stories. And obviously, he's he's very experienced. Um, and then just a few days we spent alone, and we just uh, we just you know went down to the subway and, and visited places. And 
So that was that was quite cool. Um, Ginza is, uh, I guess, you're familiar with the area, so it's uh, yep. nothing new to you. But it's um, it's a very strange place because it's where all the the um, the international companies have their headquarters. So it's a it's a very affluent area, let's just say, and that's where all the uh, the, the I mean, that's not the only place, right? But in Ginza, you can find everything from Chanel to Louis Vuitton and uh, Nike, and also there's the Swatch, or the, not the Swatch, sorry, the Swatch Group building with all the different uh, boutiques on different levels with the elevators. I'm not sure if you've been there, but it's pretty cool, I think. Hmm. Um, and so Bentley trucks and Rolls Royces and Ferraris everywhere. So um, it's a bit like you know you're not in reality but but then you go to Roppongi and then you go to Shinjuku and okay that's a that's a totally different Tokyo so i love that uh, the city has so many different faces and so many different people and then then the, the the work ethic of japanese people is just insane i mean yeah it's, it's, it's wild isn't it it was the first night we arrived we waited for a colleague who came from new york and we went out for a walk as i said and it was like 9:30 in the evening and we were walking and I said, guys, do you realize something? That there's there are people coming out of office buildings wearing suits and holding briefcases. And I said, yeah, it's the, yeah, yeah, it's the end of the workday. Yeah, but check your watch. It's 8.30, 9 p.m. <laughs> and they're leaving the office now. And I don't remember ever leaving the office. Night. I mean, I left the office a lot after 9 p.m., but I was always at after work parties and never working, you know? And then I asked my colleagues there, and they said, "Yeah, well, that's that's pretty normal. We go in at eight nine in the morning, and we we leave around eight nine p.m. ten sometimes." And uh, well, that's crazy. I mean, that's you don't see this in Europe, right? Neither in the U.S. No, no. So uh, this was amazing. And I, I talked. We worked with an agency there, and I talked with the girls from the agency, and they said, "Well, I have to tell you, we're not proud of it, but sometimes when we go home, we see the con- we see the sun coming up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> So, um, yeah, the word ethic is something else, I have to say. But, um, what did, but, what did you, what did you, um, what was your experience with watches? Did you go in any camera shops? Did you, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, in Ginza, as I said, you have all these boutiques. So we went into Langenzöhne, went into Rolex, went into Omega, uh, what else? can't even remember but then i also saw the 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 old gray market dealers in the area i saw the oris boutique i saw the Chopard boutique it was empty <laughs> i saw the uh but it was in the morning so maybe that's why and then i saw uh and then there was this the swatch group building i went into the psycho boutique run psycho boutique mm-hmm. and the swatch group um i think it's called the nicholas hayek uh, building have you been there i've not been to that no so it's like you go in. It's like a. It's like an. Um, you don't have to go in. It's like a a hall basically, and you have these little cubes, little glass, um, kind of glass uh, 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 booths basically with some watches in it, and mm. every booth is a different brand. Okay. But then you realize the booth is actually the elevator, and it only takes you up to the floor of that boutique, and oh, every boutique is cool. on a different level. So when you walk into Omega, you check out the watches and then the door closes and it takes you up to the first floor and then it opens and that's the Omega boutique. And then you go back down to the hall, to the ground floor, and then you walk into Breguet 
and then the door closes and it takes you up to the third floor and that's where the reggae boutique is but these are like little capsules you know all over the uh, the, the hall so it's pretty nice and went to the omega boutique went to the lingerie boutique down the tiso um very very lovely people super nice staff uh they they showed us everything i mean the fratello card probably helped but um even without it they were just um you know just extremely friendly and and um and supportive and really really nice people i i have nothing bad to to say about japanese people at all just nice super super friendly to us and and, and everybody i mean that i've met yeah it, it um I always tell people when I travel there, it's it's probably the only major first world city that is truly different from, you know, all the rest, the, the London, the Paris, the New mm-hmm. York, uh, Chicago. It, it's, I can just be by myself and wander. Um, yeah, it's, totally. very, it's very safe and there's just so much eye candy just from whatever people are wearing. I mean, I remember one year it was the trend to – Instead of purses, uh, women were using Remova trolleys. Okay, <laughs> it's just so it was like so weird, you know. It, wow. it just it it it's like. And you thought that everybody's or, traveling somewhere, right? Because they were pulling those yeah, trolleys everywhere. It, <laughs> yeah, it was just really, really wild and um, funny. <clears throat> yeah, the shops are really neat to go into. People are very friendly. You know, the the service is great. When you buy something, it can be something like really trivial, and the way they wrap it or yeah. hand it to you is just such a it's almost ceremonial and yes yes it's unfortunate you don't uh, love a lot of the food although i'm sure you saw there's far more than seafood but it's um, sure sure and i tried a lot i'm just saying that you know this the the the, the sushi that everybody thinks of is but i did ramen and i did the other stuff so yeah the, the thing i've always found with tokyo versus a place like paris uh i always feel like any restaurant i go into in tokyo the food is good whereas in paris for example mm-hmm. you got to know where you're going otherwise it's going to be touristy probably not yeah. that good um and you know language is a challenge in japan but they have so many pictures and different things you can point at in restaurants or stores that somehow you you figure it out um yeah yeah it's funny because in the menu everything is in english as in like drinks mains mm-hmm. desserts but then when you start reading the drinks are all in japanese yeah yeah <laughs> it, exactly like the details and and stuff so yeah but but speaking of details i just find it an amazingly detail-oriented country it's yeah incredible like you look at you go into a store and just like the little things they sell and and it's it's a carnival for the eyes really and i'm i'm excited to go back there one day i'm I'm glad you got to go and yeah you know we spoke a little bit about vintage and you mentioned expensive over polished things like that and uh Mm. That was my experience too. I've never bought a. Uh, I don't think I've ever bought a Swiss watch in Japan. I think I've always bought Seikos and Grand Seikos there, uh, Casios and stuff like that. Um, but did but did you go into a camera shop just to look around? Um, briefly, 
because we didn't have too much time. So in Nakano Broadway, we had to kind of run through it, and then we went into this uh, big store called Bic. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, it was just insanely huge, and it was in the middle of a construction, so you had to go through the construction site to get into the shop. And um, so I, I I have not spent too much time there, I have to say. But um, but that was my first time, and hopefully not the last one. And actually, we have plans on going back, maybe even this year. So when when you know the next time, I always say that you have to visit every city that you go twice, yeah. right? Because the first time you're always gonna do the touristy stuff, and we didn't do because we were there to work, not to not to 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 have a holiday. Um, we we did not uh, do everything, but we did a lot. But the second time, you already know. Okay, this area is cool. Mm, that's not so much. And you're absolutely right about Paris. And I would I would go back to Tokyo, you know, a hundred times before I go back to Paris. And right. Paris is three hours f- from here, so it's fairly easy for me to go to Paris. And that doesn't mean I don't like the city because I like Paris. Yeah. But compared to Tokyo, I yeah, Tokyo wins hands down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'll give you some 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 thoughts when you go next time. The uh... But like Bic or Yodobashi are interesting to look at. The the Seiko and Grand Seiko selection is is usually pretty good. Um, and then this is the place where, funny enough, uh, they they usually get let's say overrun type models. So that's where the Tin Tins were. Um, yeah. Prior to that, it was the it's the uh, Sapphire Crystal, but with a brown dial uh, Speedmaster that nice. they did. I guess a couple years before that. The uh, kind of had like a chocolate dial, but a Speedmaster Professional. Yeah, I I, um, I also heard that um, some of these unloved models, so-called unloved models, end up yeah. there. Um, and it's just crazy prices, honestly. So <clears throat> you can get brand new, and you know, you get I think you get seven percent back uh, tax-wise. So it Ten. can be a Ten okay, yeah. can be a really good deal. So yeah. yeah, they're they're fun to look through. And then from a camera perspective, I mean, they're called camera shops, but these places sell pens and toys yeah. and everything. Yeah, but um, you know, for your camera, sometimes you can find some neat accessories or lenses. They're just they're just fun to walk through. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. This is this is I kind of I kind of uh, kind of bummed that I missed that because the cameras I know you cannot get them because there's a the the international models and the Japanese models and the Japanese models only have the menu in Japanese and you cannot update them um, to English and the the international models the tourist models are more expensive so it's almost the same price but the lenses is something that I I I you know kind of wanted a few I have some two on my list two Sony lenses and. But as I said, hopefully I'll get back one day and I can, yeah, can pick no, them up. Pl- plenty more to see. And, yeah. uh, you know, like you said, you did the wide aisle tour this time. And next time you'll you'll go spend more time in certain places that you want to. So Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad yeah. you went. And it's definitely good news for the rest of us that the country is becoming more open. So yeah, yeah, we needed a visa and it's not that easy to get in. And I think uh, it, it opens up now. For tourists, but only for groups. So you okay. have to like apply for the visa as a group. Um, otherwise, it was pretty empty. I mean, for us, it was great. But but when I when I showed the pictures to our mutual friend, he was like, oh, "This place is empty. It's usually packed with people." And I'm like, "Well, it's not. Wasn't that empty? But it was really not not yeah, crowded." Packed. And he said, "Yeah, there's no like literally no tourists. You see white people. They either live there or they're in business. That's the yeah. only reason they're in the country." Yeah. And I haven't, I mean, I've seen a few, but I haven't seen like a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so not too touristy, no. Cool. So, um, yeah, my, my travel was a bit more, uh, Western, let's say, cause I was in <laughs> Florida and, you know, I, I won't spend too much time on this cause I know we wanted to hit one more topic, but <clears throat> I, I found myself really avoiding watch shops. <laughs> I just oh. didn't go in, you know, I, I knew I was going to be disappointed. Um, and I, I think what set me off. So when we left for the U S we got to the airport like four hours early for our flight, which, you know, we, we waltzed right through, but I think an hour later it would have been very, very different. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, flying in today, granted it was at, uh, closer to 9 a.m. when we were walking through the area where people were going through security. It was ridiculous. So it was good that we got there early, but I had some time to kill. And um, in the international terminal, there's a Vempe. So I had just gotten the Super Ocean, and I thought I would go look at and see if they had any cool straps. Um, They didn't. They had like a few, but there was nothing of interest. And they had, of course, the Rolex uh, for display only case, although some areas don't have that little sign in. And I was kind of always curious, but of course, yes, they're for display only too. Um, but they had this uh, new um, mint green date chest, which is really more like a, a middle green color. And mm-hmm. 36 millimeter, this one I think was fluted with a... Yes, it did have a Jubilee. So I, first off, I walked into this store. I think they'd been open for 10 minutes and they had like a service desk and there was one lady standing in front of it playing on her phone. And I thought she was another customer. So I just stood there. Um, Another lady walked from another part of the store, looked at me and went behind like in through a door and disappeared And then there was a third person sitting behind the desk playing on their phone. And the, the, the person who was standing there, I thought was also waiting. She, she, yeah, she goes back behind the desk and starts playing on her phone. And I'm like, wow. I was like, what, what do I need to do here? So I finally say, Hey, um, could I get some assistance please? And this, the one who, who looked, who who put her phone down, looked at me like if she could have sighed audibly, it, it would have occurred, you know? Mm-hmm. And anyhow, so, so we looked at the Breitling straps. Like I said, they didn't have much. Then I asked to see the uh, Rolex and she took it out for me, um, brought over one of those pads for the counter and I put it on. I, I have to say it was a beautiful watch. I really liked it. I mean, that's, if I were going to buy a Rolex, I think that would be a, a strong contender. Mm. Um, but I asked her, I, and I was just like, oh, yeah. So, and I said, and nothing's for sale, correct? And she goes, nope, nothing's for sale. And that was it. I handed it back to her and I left. <laughs> it's like such a, you know, it was like, it, I, I, I and, and this is why I think it just set me off on the trip. I'm like, you know, I'm just not even going to go look anywhere. Mm. Uh, I, I just don't want to. Um, mm. I was in a mall with a Cartier and I thought, eh, I'm going to go have a, have a breeze through there. Uh, I went in. They had like six people working in there. Um, they weren't unfriendly, but it was just so hmm. it was just not a great experience. And aside from that, yeah, I, I I didn't really look at a lot. I mean, I saw a lot of Rolex on people's wrists. It still continues to be the king 
yeah. uh, down there. But yeah, also in Japan. Yeah, I, I'm. I more and more the AD experience is just not of interest to me anymore. Yeah, I it's guess it's fun. a it's a catch twenty two, isn't it? Because they don't have the stock, and so people are disappointed or they don't come. The people don't come, so they're bored. And then, you know, it's kind of yeah. like that. But then, I mean, I had a similar experience on the way back with the customs officer, but then again, it's German customs officer. So what did I expect, right? Nothing. And she was, uh, I think she was awful. And it was funny because that was a, that was a, and this, I mean, I don't want to hijack your, your uh, travel story, but this really just sums up everything that I hate about the Frankfurt airport and the people that work there. She really treated me like I'm a piece of, that yeah, yeah. and then there's a poster in the damn office that that says respect in 10 languages i kid you not i want to take a picture <laughs> but i was afraid 10 languages and then it says treat us with respect otherwise you will not get any service from us, something like that and i'm like really you treated me like i'm i'm a i'm a because we had to get some gear through the customs right we, we took some gear with us and we had to take it back so they had to check it we had to go through the red corridor and there's a poster that says treat us with respect. And she was visibly annoyed that she had to deal with this. <laughs> and she asked me, like, my colleague was taking care of it. And she said, what are you doing here? Are you together? Yeah. Well, there's nobody there. There's four suitcases, two people. Do the maths. <laughs> it's either he, he really is a, a, you know, a fashion junkie and travels with four suitcases and I'm with a backpack or we are together. You know? So it's... <laughs> But treat us with respect. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll treat you with respect. Well, I think anything customer facing these days is challenging. Challenging, it, it yeah. It really is. And then yeah. you go somewhere like Japan and oh, no. it's a really nice experience or... Totally different. You know, you go... Like we only frequent local restaurants when we're in Florida and there's a couple we go to that have just great service and it's such a difference, you know, and it just mm. really... Maybe I'm just getting older. I just have no desire to go into somewhere where I. It's horrible to say this, but I. Uh, I'm not even giving them a chance. I mean, maybe it would be a great experience, but I've had so many bad ones that I just don't want to go in anymore. And these places come and go, right? I mean, well, they, the places come and go, and also the people come and go, right? You know? and right. Yeah. You, you know what it's like when it's a product that you study up on. For yeah. me, it was always cars or watches, and you know more than the person selling you. And mm -hmm. uh, okay, that's that's not the fair, the most fair statement to make always. Uh, but it's it's. But sadly, it's often true. Yeah, and and just don't like being treated by someone, or, or you know, like they they have they have the power over you because they've they're holding something that you want. It's. It's just really not how a, re a retail experience should be, in my view. Yeah, well, but then if I don't like the experience, I'm just going to walk away, you know. Because at the end of the day, I know it's a it's a it's a douchey thing to say, but whoever buys, you know, pays for those people's yeah, rent and stuff, yeah. right? And I do, you know, the the what what do they say the the one who has uh, the one who has the money orders the music, so it's like that. Yeah. Uh, so then I just walk away. I don't want to get into an argument, and I, I, I mean, especially not with the customs lady. I, pff, I, don't, okay, I just sign my paper and I'm out of your hair. But it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, 
it's just and in Japan, yeah, of course you you never have this. I mean, the, no, the, no, no, the, no, no. The, the guy uh, we I talked to one of the guys uh, at the Omega Boutique, and as I said, we had to get into the elevator, and he just bowed, and he was like, as the elevator went down, and he was down until we disappeared. <laughs> That's uh, you know, he just you you could not see his face. Just he bowed down and all the way down until we we exited the elevator. And I mean, that's the, you know, that's the way I feel like it used to be where, sure you know, even if you walk into a store and you have no, you don't even have the ability to pay for something in there, but you're looking because that's something you aspire to, mm-hmm. you know, you hear these stories and I'm sure they still happen, but mm-hmm. you, you make a good impression and Hey, that person, Maybe it's one year, maybe it's five years. They they remember that, and they very much remember the opposite experience too. So, but well, these yeah. days it's it's far more transient. It feels, and people don't really put that kind of uh, thought into something, unfortunately. So, hmm. so, but but very much on topic here. So, my flight back, um, I got onto the plane in Miami. Um, yeah, Miami Airport, awful. And then, then I had no no problems there when I came back. It's just you know, it's like Frankfurt. There's nothing to do there. It's I feel like yeah, folks working there aren't aren't overly excited to be there either. No. And then, sorry to say this for our German listeners, but okay, I, I know different countries have different. Uh, there there are different things, but. If it's one thing that Lufthansa and and the clientele seemingly can't do is board a plane, it's just <laughs> a it's a freaking disaster at the gate all the time. No matter how many like little signs they've put up about what group you're in, there's always some doofus who arrives from the lounge like at the last second and just thinks he has the right to roll right into the front of mm. you know. The, it, it's it's incredible. And I I'm becoming more circumspect about this it's like everybody's gonna get on the plane i don't really care but it just boggles my mind that there's absolutely no uh respect or or anything for people in that regard so anyhow i Mm. i (laughs) sorry that was a rant um Mm. (laughs) I, i get on the plane and there's this guy sitting next to me and he uh american I would say if I had to guess like late thirties or early forties and, you know, had no clue what he did for a living. Uh, but he was, you know, he got on the phone when he got on the plane, had like a little FaceTime call with somebody and was just kind of just jabbering about how, yeah, I was flying Lufthansa and how he liked Singapore or Qatar, one of those airlines better. Um, you can tell already whatever. And, Mm somehow and i and i wasn't like listening in closely but he was he was pretty loud and the, the discussion drifted to and i couldn't remember if he said morocco or not but he basically said that wherever he had arrived on a prior trip he arrived late you know had a few drinks on the planes he was tired and took an uber from the airport to to a large international chain hotel and a nice one Mm-hmm. And not long after getting into the room, he got a knock at the door and it was somebody who had a gun and mm. they wanted his Rolex. And of course he gave it up. Um, what was interesting as he told his friend is that he was carrying a high level of cash in his briefcase, 
some some sort of business transaction and you know laptop and other types of electronics the person didn't even ask didn't even look at that when he came in the room only mm-hmm. one of the watch and was then out and apparently upon calling the police and again i i can't remember the country i i do seem to remember morocco uh the police officer seemed to say that there was sort of a ring of Uber or taxi drivers working in cahoots with hotels and, you know, identifying passengers when they had a nice watch on and then later going up and and getting those. And I know that's one story out of many. Uh, We were constantly bombarded by these videos, whether it's Amsterdam, London, Paris, um, the U S of, of violent watch thefts and, I just was curious, Balash, if it's affected um, your thinking and what you wear or what you travel with, because I'll I'll just step back and say it has for me. It Mm -hmm. has for me. I have, you know, just referring back to putting a watch on a strap or something, I think about that more now, about toning it down, not making it as visibly recognizable. You know, a Rolex bracelet, Mm -hmm. I think, is... If you know it, you know it, right? It's it's very easily identifiable, and mm-hmm. I just don't want to don't want to have to worry about it. Um, and and it's yeah. and it's a weird thing because I think about going to London before the pandemic, and I would bring a vintage Rolex or something. I would be excited to wear like a nice Rolex in a nice city and go out to dinner and stuff. And I don't do it anymore. No, 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 not in London. Yeah, um, I mean, of course, in in, in Japan. Uh, that's not an issue, right? No. Um, the country is extremely safe uh, to the point where we went to this, this uh, steakhouse kind of thing with our mutual friend for dinner, and we just unloaded everything onto the table. And I said, yeah, should we not? We should, ah, don't worry about it. It's fine. This is fine here. And so I wore my, I had my GMT with me. I had a vintage Speedy with me and some other watches, and I wore them in rotation. And no problem whatsoever. But um, when I traveled, I did not travel any of those. I had them in a in a case in my bag in the cabin with me. Um, and normally, when I travel, and I we talked about this, I always take my G Shock. And the reason, the the number one reason was that I realized that that vintage watches that I used to travel with, the Doxa and stuff like that, they're just too fragile, and I don't want to you know, ding them up or or the, let the loom fall out of their hands or whatever. That was number one. But now, this is number two. And I have to say, probably it will become uh, uh, the number one reason over protecting the, 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 the quality or whatever of the vintage watch. Because, and it's just convenient. It's easy. It's a G-Shock or whatever. It's It's light. It's you know, it's automatically sets to the correct time zone when I arrive. But I totally get your point. Yes, it's nice to go out to visiting friends in the UK. And I know you, you have some friends there that you go and see from time to time. You want to go out, have a good time, go to a restaurant. And then, of course, you want to wear something nice other than your, your, your travel cycle or a citizen or, you know, whatever. But And, of course, you can still take the watch with you, but it makes no sense to put on a nice watch and, and you have to be aware of your surroundings at all yeah. times while you're wearing the watch. Right. Cause you cannot enjoy it. Yeah. Even and if, I, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. 
And I think in these nice cities, you know, unfortunately, you know, shopping areas, you're about this in Buenos Aires. I mean, I had a colleague who was wearing his Daytona and he, he was in Buenos Aires, he, Brazilian. And I mean, but yeah, stepped out of Armani and had a gun in his side and the watch was gone. I mean, and, yeah. and, and people could say, well, gosh, he should have known. But I think in any of these cities, if you think about the the nice restaurants or the nice stores, the the percentage chance that something somebody's wearing something nice is very high. And hmm. you know, these days you don't see as active a, a police presence. You, you just don't. And yeah. I think they'd have to be everywhere. Yeah. Um, and they can only. It's not like they're going to walk you to your car. Um, but it, it it is it's definitely made me think more. And I wonder, Mm -hmm. you know, like growing up, you used to see the occasional 60s Ferrari on the street in Florida and you never do anymore. You know, they're just too valuable and, and all that kind of thing. But Mm. it's our our watch is going to get to a point here where the value is, is such that people just stop wearing them and, and could it lead to, a different level of interest at some point because they're not as functional as they used to be. I don't know. I, 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 but I, I never thought that way before. I never I, did. I, yeah. I hope, I hope you're wrong, but, but I, I'm not sure if you are really. Um, and maybe eventually, yeah, in a few years or 10 years or whatever, we get to that point, uh, unless something happens, mind you, when when you you told the story about the the Moroccan or whatever this guy went, uh, it made me wonder if you know because an Uber driver drops you off. It doesn't matter at a hotel, cool. Mm. But there's like 560 rooms in that hotel. How do they know which one is your room? We had to. Have, I I mean, when you Uber or something, you know, you give your name, right? Um, when you order it, and yeah, I would imagine this driver was working with somebody in the hotel. You know, and that's the point. Like, then you you go to this place. Because there are, there are shady taxi drivers everywhere you go in the world. That's like, that's like one of the, uh, <laughs> the oldest traditions since, since the automobile was invented, right? Sure. Just kind of try to scam people with, with money and take you, taking you here, to there. But and that's one thing. But when you have an Uber driver and then the Uber driver is working with someone at a hotel, which is supposed to be your safe place while you're traveling, right? Because they know, I mean, if you think about it, they know everything about you. They have your credit card uh, copied, passport copied. They can go into your room whenever. Every day somebody goes into your room and can go through all of your stuff while uh, the cleaning lady does, does her job. You know, it's supposed to be a safe place. So, and for example, in, um, in the hotel in Ginza, uh, there was the first time I saw that actually, and I've been to quite a lot of hotels in my life where you, you had to put your uh, room card to the, to the elevator, which is, which is normal, and then you don't have to press the button. And it immediately, it was, I was living on the seventh floor, and in, the, the elevator took me to the seventh floor, and I could not get out on the sixth or on the eighth or <laughs> the ninth or the fifth. Just the seventh and the lobby. That's it. So you know what I mean? So my colleagues who lived on the eighth, when I bought something and I had to give it to them, 
we had to like synchronize what time he's going to call the, the the elevator and then the all, all the way uh, down yeah, yeah, I, yeah i could jump in and give him the stuff but i could not literally go up to his level like his he was one story above me because my card would only work between my story and the lobby hmm. yeah it's interesting i i uh and then you know i was in a a massive hotel in Atlanta. And that was actually one of the biggest complaints on the website is that they did not have some functionality like that, you know, security mm-hmm. around the, the key cards in the elevator. And yeah, it, it, it all just makes you think. And um, yeah, this is, it's just a bummer. I, I will continue to downscale my travel watches. And, you know, if you think about something like a, a GMT master. If, if, if I got a call, if I were on a wait list, it would end up being a really nice object to own, mm-hmm. but I don't think I would wear it. Uh, like I used to yeah. now, if I were still traveling to Asia frequently, mm-hmm. like you said, less of an issue there. I mean, China, Japan, Korea, never felt any concern yeah. there, but most of my travel now is U.S. and Mexico, and I don't think so. I don't think I would. And you know, I mean, you can you can argue like, yeah, you can take your watch and put it on when you're inside the restaurant, right? First of all, it's a hassle to do that. It's it's stupid. And then we've saw. Remember, we've seen this video of the guy sitting in a restaurant and somebody just running up to him at his table. Trying to grab the watch. I think yep. it was was it in Amsterdam. Netherlands, Amsterdam, yeah, yeah. exactly. In the middle of the restaurant, somebody just walks up to you, mind you, wearing a hoodie, which was a decent-looking restaurant. I don't, and nobody said anything. Nobody did anything. He just walks up to you and grabs your hand and and tries to take your watch off. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. it's sad, super yeah, sad. It is sad. So, and yeah. Yeah, so I'll continue to be vigilant until, for whatever reason, uh, I don't feel like I need to be anymore. But I, I think that unfortunately, the world we live in now is uh, is such that there's there's easy money out there to make for, mm. for selling these things, and there's demand clearly. So yeah, maybe yeah. as demand drops, then then we'll see this. You know, people will move on to other things. But yeah, it's not not worth dying or getting hurt for a 6,000 euro watch or 10,000 or whatever. Yeah, or whatever. Exactly. It's not worth it. So. It's not worth it. Funnily enough, a friend of mine, he messaged me while I was in Tokyo that his, his house was uh, broken into and his Rolex is also was stolen. In amongst Tokyo? In, in, no, in Budapest. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. And it was a pretty well-off neighborhood, I think. Yeah. So, so yeah. never know. That's why I keep stuff in the bank. I mean, it's, uh, mm. but, you know. Well. You enjoyed them. That's the point. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the part of the issue too, right? Yeah. It's like you start out with good intentions and then you realize, well, oh, in fact, I only have one wrist anyway. And the one watch I keep out, I wear it and I don't have right. time to get over there anyway. Right. Right. So, yeah. Sad. Yeah. Well, Balash, that was, uh, Kind of what what uh, we wanted to hit today, unless there was anything else you wanted to bring up. No, it was it was that was it. Bit of a bit of a renty episode, but <laughs> about airports and stuff. But 
Yeah. Um, hey, um, just I'm guessing we're gonna get roasted in the comments, but I really don't care to be honest. Uh, I think some of these topics are on people's minds in terms of of theft and just what's going on in the marketplace right now. We talked about some brightly colored watches that were kind of strange. So see what people think and and where the market's heading. Um, but yeah, sure. when when we record again next week, we'll we'll be back to our more uh, um our more typical topics we may pick a brand or we'll go through the yeah. notes and see what see what suggestions have come in and and formulate an episode but it was nice nice to catch up with you after a couple absolutely. weeks now absolutely likewise and uh, uh, i hope that uh the listeners will enjoy this episode otherwise uh, anyways um because indeed some of the the topics are are hopefully interesting but also um I guess informative or eye-opening so at least that's what we think and that's why we do this and then yeah let's let's bring uh let's bring a uh maybe a brand back next week or for well two weeks or yeah well, next week whatever yeah next time absolutely and oh one other thing i should i should tell mm. you i know you you do some podcasting in hungarian i was mm -hmm. uh I was fortunate enough to be a guest on the uh, Spirit of Time podcast yes, um, I saw that. the other week and just wanted to say thanks to Matt and Greg for having me on. It was fun and gave me a little bit of a, uh, yeah, a little bit of an activity while you were away. So, yeah, yeah I go. saw it. I haven't had the chance of listening to that, but I saw the, um, saw the post. So I'm definitely going to download it and, uh, Give it a listen before the next episode. I mean, before we record our next episode. Absolutely. Well, Balash, with that, I'm going to let you go enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And I'm going to try to get some jet-lagged sleep later. and uh, Drink a beer. Yeah. Always we'll helps. Talk, we'll talk again uh, in the coming week. For sure. So with that, Mike is out. Balash is out. <laughs>